Hi guys, this is David Campisi and you are on the final whistle. Ciao. Hello and welcome back to the final whistle brought to you by the Rugby Connection podcast. Well, this is without a shadow of a doubt the biggest name to ever come to Rugby <laughs> Connection podcast. 101 Wallabies caps, 64 international tries, 1991 World Cup winner, 1993 Lions Series winner. He dominated the All Blacks in a Wallabies jersey, winning the Bledisloe and he is arguably one of the greatest of all time. It is none other than David Campisi. David, thank you so much for coming on. How are you getting on? Mate, uh, you've, you've missed uh, one very, very vital statistic. 15 years, five tackles. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Love that. That's the one. Mate, That's I, the one. I wasn't there to tackle. I was there to score tries. So. Well, yeah. you, definitely, you definitely did that and more. So, No, thanks. We're, just, we're pleasure, very honoured to be here. Yeah, we're very honoured to have you here. Um, first question, just to get the ball rolling, we ask all our guests this. What actually got you into rugby in the first place? Uh, that's quite interesting. I played league most of my life. I come from a, a very small country town called Queanbeyan, uh, down near Canberra. And it was I went to a government school. My dad was Italian, didn't know anything about sport, had his grapes, his, his uh, vegetables. And uh, in those days, in the 60s and 70s, all the country towns played rugby league. So I played rugby league from 8 to 16. Um, played a bit of rugby in between, played Aussie rules, played crickets. So played a bit of hockey. So in country towns, you know, you get the opportunity to play whatever you want. Um, 16, we played the rugby league grand final. We lost. And I just said, well, I wasn't a drinker. So I just sort of said, this is not for me. Went over the year after and played fourth grade Queen White rugby. Um, asked the coach uh, after the game, um, do you need a fullback? And off I went. So that was in 79, 1980, played first grade. And two years later, played for the Wallabies. Two, year, two years after first, like, do you need a fullback in your car, by the way? Yes, 79. 1979 was fourth grade. In 1982, I played for Australia. Awesome. That's crazy. Fair, fair play to you for that. Yeah, being 79 kilos as well. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that, that, that's a totally different moment now. <laughs> Mate, it's very different now. I agree. Um, we've got tons of questions coming from left, right and centre. Um. What first? First of all, you played with some of the best ever to ever touch a, a, a rugby ball. What was it like to play against the great John Oliver? Yeah, I did. Uh, Jonah came along, so I started '82. So I had Stu Wilson, I had Tuiga Mala. You know, I mean, I had all the all the all the guys down. You know, Yane Evans and all that. Jonah came in in '84, I think it was. So I got to play him at Hong Kong first. Um, and he was pretty frightening then. But, uh, yeah, look, you know, we ended up as good mates. Jonah was uh, phenomenal. He just he brought the game to a new level, um, and no one really cared about him missing tackles. All they wanted to see was run with the ball. So it was pretty frightening. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things. It was the phase of rugby, I think, before professionalism as well. So I think that started to change. And I think I got dropped in 95 after the World Cup uh, because, you know, they wanted uh, guys who were six foot two, 90, 100 kilos. Um, you know, it just just wasn't happening for me. You know, I was, I was like 35, 36 as well. So 
I just uh, I've been around, had a great time, and uh, just sort of just needed the the bat to change to a, a couple of young guys. Fair enough. I mean, you you did famously tackle the big man. Yeah, I did. You know, I came in the uh, it was it was uh, ninety five after the World Cup. Um, Jonah played the Wallabies in Auckland, and I got I got dropped for that test, and I was playing club rugby in Sydney, and um, uh, the Wallaby uh, the Jonah destroyed the Wallabies anyway. So uh, Matt Burke, who was a fullback, got injured, and the call was basically, <clears throat> you know, that they were going to call me back into the team. So this is Monday night. They picked a guy called Rod Kafer. No one ever heard of Rod Kafer. Anyway, so um, a good friend of mine, Mark Ella, who uh, obviously I played with great number 10, uh, he was at rugby union train on Tuesday night and he rang me up and said, oh, mate, uh, Rod Kafer's just broken his leg. And I said, that's a real shame, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so thinking that I was going to get back into the team. So 7 o'clock next morning, Rod McQueen, who was who coached the 99 team, he didn't like me at all, um, rang me and said, mate, we thought about it. We think you're the best man for the job. So I'll go, okay. He said, the team's got a really good spirit. Go train and shut up and say nothing. I said, okay. You know, like I'm 35 years old, you know, really? So off I went and um, Matt Burke was fit. Uh, Daniel Herbert, just before training, pulls his hammy. He's gone. I'm on the bench. Never been on the bench in my life. So I was very fortunate to um, get on and tackle Jonah twice. Uh, the first time I tackled him, I'm on the ground and Sean Fitzpatrick, who's a good mate of mine, looked at me and said, what the hell are you doing? I looked at him and I said, I've got no idea. <laughs> and the next scrum, they, they, they packed and, and Sean and I have a bit of a laugh. So I don't think he's ever seen me tackle before. So, yeah, it's quite oh, funny. I love, I love that. Um, as can, because you mentioned so many legends just in that lovely story there, um, my co-host Cam has asked, who is your dream 15? Look, I pick a dream fifteen. It'll change every day, um, because I mean, this, I mean, I, I played like from eighty-two to ninety-six. I mean, I went through a lot of players against us. Um, you know, if if you look, you know, I've got no idea about forwards, but I I would have picked um, probably Osterant. Um, I would have picked uh, Tommy Lawton from Australia, probably Topo Rodriguez. Um, I would have picked uh, sort of say. Um, let me see, locks. You, I mean, there's so many back in the time. You you, you had the Wetton brothers. You had um, Ian Jones. I think I did. I played a bit against Ian Jones, a great player. I mean, you look at guys like Metallic now. You know, there's a lot of really good players around. Um, back in those days, uh, probably Martin Johnson as a leader. Um, the back row would have been um, Michael Jones, the Iceman, Zinzan Brook. And the other one I would probably put um, Willie Offen and Gower. Um, but again, you've got so many players you can choose from. Number nine, I'd have to pick uh, Nick Far Jones because he was a great captain and good mate of mine. Um, Mark Eller, I'd go probably for Philip Seller. Actually, go, I'm going to throw everyone. I'm going to go for Dennis Chavez, Philip Seller, Jean Baptiste Lafon, uh, Serge Blanco at fullback. And I suppose you pick Jonah on the other wing. So, yeah, I love that. I mean, again, that tomorrow, be... tomorrow, tomorrow would be a different fifteen as well. Because <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many players you can choose from. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back just to the back three for you then. So, who is your dream back three partners with? So we've got 
Do you prefer being fullback or or on the wing? Oh, well, I started off at fullback. And, um, you know, I mean, there's not much you can do when the national coach puts you on the wing, so you just have to play there. But I'm being a fullback, it, it actually, sorry? I was saying you're the guest, so you can pack wing or fullback. Yeah, well, it doesn't look. Um, well, I mean, I played with some great fullbacks, you know. I mean, you've got Serge Blanco, I mentioned. Uh, you've got uh, Chris Latham was a great player. You had Glenn Ella. I mean, it's it's never easy, you know. Um, wingers, you know, even now you've got uh, Colby from South Africa. Yep. Uh, you've got the young French, you've got all the French guys. You got, I mean, it, it's, you know, you had Yane Evans. You've got people, Shane Williams. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult to pick. Um, but I think that the, the, the players I like are the ones who want to attack, who will have a go, not the guys who are now who will just get the ball, kick the, kick the crap out of the ball. The game yeah. of rugby is def- very different now. It's a very tactical game. Um, and the coaches have got too much control and they play like robots. You know, I, I want the players to play with a bit of flair and have a go, you know. I think someone said there was a statistic uh, when Ireland played uh, France a couple of weeks ago. And it went like this. France scored 19 points. Yeah. Or only been in the Irish 22 for 57 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Ireland yeah. kept kept uh, France out of their 22 for 90, was it 70, was it 80, 79 minutes and three seconds. Yeah. So 57 seconds, all the French tries scored from a counterattack. You know, and the thing is now that everyone talks about the more you kick the ball away, the more you win. I mean, the French are showing. I mean, to beat England like they did on the weekend was absolutely amazing. The only thing that I see wrong with that, the English are going to start to wake up and say, guys, we're pretty shit at the moment. If we want to win this World Cup, we've got to actually change. So that could have been a wake-up call for them. But again, the French showed if they want to play, they'll play. No, I agree with that. I love that. Um... What, so what do you think of the current Six Nations? Yeah, look, I think it's... Uh, you, you look at key players, like uh, if you take Finn Russell out of Scotland, you've got, you've got no chance. He's the kind of player that takes a ball to the line, he's keeping you guessing, he's one of the old traditional number 10s. It's not these guys that stand 15 metres away from everyone, kicks the crap out of it. Um, you know, Saxon's the same. Saxon takes the ball to the line a bit more and they've realised that. Um Smith, you know, Smith still, I think they're still trying to find combinations for England. They've got no idea. I mean, Farrell, Farrell is not a number 12 in the, in the big test arena, you know. He's a good kicker, but he kicks the ball away more than, you know, I think there was a game a couple of weeks ago. There was a four on two and he gets and kicks it away. Yeah. You know, he's got to start backing the players around him, you know, but that's, that's what they've lost. They've lost that instinctive way of playing the game. Uh, the Italians, I mean, they uh, some of the tackles on the weekend, they're, they're up and down. They're still, they're getting better. Um, but they, like, you know, why would you have Allen, who's a number 10, putting back to fullback? You know, I mean, it's a very different position to play. And, again, it's what coaches, they've got to try and substitute something to try and sort of put a Band-Aid on the problem instead of looking long-term. Um, Wales, uh, I don't know why they've got Gatlin there. I'm really lost for words. I mean, why go backwards when you want to go forward? Thank you. Yeah. Finally, see, when one of the greatest of all time says it, it makes sense. I've been saying this. But why? Like, why, but would why? You, why, wouldn't you? why would Why would you do that? But he, he's never, everyone says, what a great, I said, but he's never won a World Cup. He's never That's won a World cool. Cup. So what, it, it's, it's a bit scary when you had Eddie Jones get sacked. He got a job. 
Yeah. You know, everyone gets sacked and moves on to another job. You know? Yeah. So it's like this, the football, you go around in circles all the time. You know? yeah. But uh, the thing is that, um, and, and 95% of the coaches are all forwards. You notice that? I've never actually thought of it like that, but yeah. That's, Have yeah. a think. Have a think who their players are. Uh, Gat- the coaches, Gatland, yeah, Gatland was a forward. Gatland's a forward. Gatland was on the bench for the All Blacks for about 52 caps, never got a game because Sean Fitzpatrick never came off. I played against Gatland back in, uh, I think it was 86, I think it was. Uh, then Andy, you've got Northwick's uh, the coach of England's, yeah. He was uh, a- then you've got then you've got um, Andy Farrell was a well, he was a rugby league player, he wasn't, he played about four games of rugby at uh, <laughs> 13, I think it was. Um, and you can see you can see the league influence in our game by it's all about defence, mm-hmm. and the only way to keep the defence uh, in two minds is when the ball's got dropped, or you're going to counterattack. Because when you counterattack, the line of defence is not one line. You know, yep. all these teams are very good at when they're so structured. You know exactly who the players, and that's why the Finn Russells and those guys are good when they take the ball to the line because. Sometimes the players, you know, they, they keep some guessing. So, uh, yeah, so if you look, you know, Eddie's the same. Eddie, I played club rugby with Eddie out in Australia back in the day at Randwick, and he, he's a forward. He was a hooker. So where's the backs? Where's the flair? Why don't we have flair coaches to coach the back lines? You know, I just don't. Or coach the team in general. I mean, obviously, Scotland's, yeah, you know, yeah. we've got uh, Gregor Townsend, but Gregor Townsend used to be a great player. So why can't he coach the way he played? What's the why? Why? Because what they're under contract or they've got a wing. I mean, the, the game of rugby is a great game if you play. The French showed you can play it if you want to, mm-hmm. you know. But all the other teams are so robotic, it's very, very scary to watch. Very, you've opened my eyes on something there because obviously you've said that most of the coaches are forward, but then you've got two backs that are Gregor Townsend and Fabian Gauthier. And I don't know. I don't really see much. I don't really see much of Townsend either. I obviously have to like look back and watch it. But I don't know. He, he seems like he was a Finn Russell in his playing day. But he was. He was one of those guys that would go from anywhere. And that's what we need. We need the Mavericks in the game. We need the players who are different. We need the Colbys. I mean, Colby's not that big, and he, he sets the the stage of lights. Yeah. You know. Um. You need those guys, and that's. That's, I suppose, yes, it's professional. I'm going to get in trouble because we played in the Amnit era. It was very slow. But, you know, the World Cup 91, for example, the scrum took 11 seconds. It takes three minutes now. So why is the IRB all of a sudden, oh, we've got to make the lineouts quicker? I said, mate, you guys changed the laws. Mm. You know, the players are unfit. That's why they would walk. And why, why, do you, why would you give a guy a, a test cap with three minutes to go in a game? What are you going to, what are you going to achieve in three minutes? That's, you know, yeah, I felt really, I, I, I felt really sad for the Aussie uh, Ben Donaldson who played against Italy last year. Come on with five minutes to go, you know, yeah. misses the kick, and we—it's the first time ever we lose to a second-tier country. I mean, give the guy the whole game. Let them see yeah. how they go. Not with five minutes. No, I agree with that. I just, I just, I just find that very strange. But that's professionalism. Everyone's got to get a run because the managers have got so much pressure on the coaches that their players have got to get a run, or they go somewhere else. Well, speak, speaking of coaches, we've got a question, well, kind of two questions, but I'm going to chuck them all at you <clears throat> at the same time. The Rugby Centre has asked, one, what is your thoughts on Dave Rennie getting the sack from the Wallabies? 
and is it too late for the coaches that have just came in, like or back into the setup, like your Steve Borthwick, Warren Gallant, Eddie Jones? Is it too late for them to do well at this year's World Cup? Okay, uh, we for some stupid reason, you know, we used to beat the All Blacks with Australian coaches. Yeah, back in the day, you know, Alan Jones. We we won the Bledisloe nineteen eighty six. Um, the last team to beat the All Blacks at Eden Park. Uh, I played in that game. Uh, then, you know, we beat them a few times. We beat the World Cup 91. Uh, that was Alan Jones in 86. Bob DeWire, the World Cup 91. So we had a lot of success because we used to play them all the time and we just learned to beat them after a while. Um, you know, we had uh, Robbie Deans as well who came out to Australia. The problem with having a foreign coach is that they don't understand who we are. They're Kiwis. Yeah. yeah. We're Australians. You know, we did we used to play attacking rugby. We used to be a flair country. Uh Robbie Deans came along and had no idea about Australian rugby. He tried to play his style of rugby, which is the Crusaders, but we're not the Crusaders. Uh Dave Rennie came along and he wanted to play, I don't know what sort of rugby, because I had no idea what we were playing. It was nothing <laughs> like, you know, the way we used to play. We had wingers who could score but wouldn't get the ball. Uh, we kept on kicking the ball away. And he had the worst uh, win ratio or win-loss ratio in the professional era. So the thing that I find strange, I went, I went to coach over in South Africa with the Natal Sharks back in 2004. And, you know, the back line was Butch, uh, Ruin Pina, Butch James, Brad Barrett, Waylon Murray, J.P. Peterson, Francis Dane, Percy Montgomery. So we had some really good players. Yeah. So all I gave these guys were simple basic skills. I didn't want to try and go too hard because these guys are, are played a different style. So it took me a while to understand their culture as well. I mean, we get guys come to Australia and all they want to do is play their style of rugby in a different country. Yeah. You know, it's been scary over the years, World Cups. The amount of coaches are from New Zealand who coach many countries in the world and they all play the same. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's why, fair. Why, why, it's like Wales. Someone said to me about, uh, I tweeted, about Gatlin, I said, well, just go and get another coach. Go and get a, a local coach. Plan for the future. Go yeah. and get one who, who's a Welsh guy. Welsh used to be one of the world's greatest attacking team in the world. Look at them now. They, they, I read last week there were so much problems with who they're picking, who they're dropping. And it's very disheartening to see a great country like Wales, you know, like really struggle um, to find a pattern of play that they want to play. They want to be like everyone else, but they're not. Yeah. I, I I completely agree. I get where I do get where you're coming from. It's 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 interesting. So I know that Italy's very near and dear to your heart. So what do you think of that setup right now? Who's that? Sorry, I'm saying I know that Italy's like very near and dear to your heart. Um. So like, what do you think of that current setup? Again, I know Kieran Crowley is a a Kiwi, but. Yeah, well, like I said, I played in Italy for 10 years as well back in the day and uh, mm. we were there to, to get the game, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the unfortunate thing, there's a guy called Betarello who was number 10 for Italy. And the problem was back in the day, you had Joel Stransky, Michael Liner, uh, Frano Bodica. You had all the great number 10s. It's like in the football back in those yeah. days. You had Maradona, Mateus. So Baggio was the number 10, who was a good player, but he wasn't the best so they struggled, you know, but right, they've come a long way, which is great. I think it's fantastic. Um, but again, you know, I, I still believe rugby should be, and it's, 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 it's caused like the island countries, the amount of players of the islands who play for other countries. Um, 
I still believe it's a bit like football. Where you're born, you play. I mean, I, I can't understand these guys who Henderson, who played for the Brumbies two years ago, now he's playing for Ireland. Uh, you've got someone else's over there playing for someone. Uh, I'm saying, but because they're not good enough here, they go over there now to somebody. So, I mean, that's the way I look at it. I'm just saying the game has changed. Uh, it's a bit more professional. It's a livelihood. But um, it's just interesting to see the, the way the game has gone um, and the laws of the game, how it seemed to the referees have got so much control. Um, Three-minute scrums. And, yeah, it's... It's it's very sad, but again, I'm an old fart. You know, I, I played in an era where I think it was the best rugby we ever played because you can do whatever you like. I, I'll kind I kind of meet you halfway there. I get I do get what you're saying. I, I completely get what you're saying. It's just I think because obviously being Scottish, I get a lot of stick because of what you do and Van der Merwe's, your Pierre Schumann's, Sean Maitland, and all that. Like again, people that aren't born in Scotland. Hmm. My argument, not for all of them, I don't, some of them are purely there just to try and better their career. And I'm not one to judge that. But if you come over, not, not in aims to be playing for the country, if you just happen to come to the club and then fully like embrace the culture, like live and die by it, and then, and then get picked for the country and like sing the anthem with pride and like almost like like beat the chest then I'm like yeah that's that's different I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> well I mean it's, I mean I you, you look at guys back in the day where Maitland who played for Scotland uh I'm just trying to think who's uh he's still playing for Wales uh they all had grandmothers yeah back in the day you know sort of thing you know I mean to, just to to break the the mold sort of thing um Look, I, I understand, but I mean, rugby is an international sport. It's probably one of the, after football, probably the second biggest sport in the world. Um, but we, it, it's difficult because, you know, when you, look, if you, if you come from New Zealand, it's very difficult because, you know, I mean, rugby is a religion there and they, they are yeah. very fanatic about that. So in Australia, we've got rugby league, we've got so many other sports that you can play as well. Um, look, I understand from that point of view as well, but, I really think that if you want to really make a really good World Cup, you know, the year of the World Cup will be four, you know, you've got all these island players who, who are around the world. Some of their clubs won't let them play because they're under contract. The IRB yeah. should play these guys and say, mate, you, we want you guys to have the best team. Because when they play on the day, the Fijians or the Tongans and some, they're actually a very good side. Yeah. But the problem is because some of their great players aren't allowed to play because they're under contracts. It makes it very sad. And I think 2007, I remember France uh, playing a couple of club games in France leading into the World Cup because they couldn't play. You yeah, know, then you've got Australia and New Zealand play every week. You've got England for France every week. And poor, you know, poor Ireland teams are having a local rugby game down the corner. That's their warm-up. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit unfair. You know? It's supposed to be professional, but are we, are we really professional compared to other sports? Have a think about it. You know, the amount of mistakes the referees make uh, are unbelievable. We've got too many laws. It's, it's too complicated. They've got to make it very simple. The referee's got to have nothing to do with the scrum, you know, and they always go to the, if they're not sure, they spend five minutes looking at the TMO. Now yeah. you can't tackle this, you can't tackle that. I mean, you might as well, not, might as well play touch, you know. That's an, that's an interesting one. Um. 
So I'm going to ask you this question then. So if, well, just remember, remember, I only, play, I only made five tackles, so I'm an expert at tackling. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> tackle machine, David Campisi. Yeah, yeah, it's called touch. I tagged you as you run past. <laughs> <laughs> what what does rugby need to change to become like more accessible? I I've always said that we need a vid- I know it sounds really modernised, but I, I feel rugby needs like a video game. Look, there are video games, but I don't think it's a video game what we need. What, what I think we need is we need to, to play. Like We've got sevens. Sevens yeah. is a great sport, but now they play exactly like 15s. They have a scrum. The ball goes to the wing. He can't score. The ball goes to the other wing. It's not like the old day where the switches and loops. It's about power. It's about speed. It's a total different game. I mean, they actually walk to the line out in sevens. I mean, really, they walk to a lie, you kick it out. I mean, nowadays, what you don't kick the ball away because if you haven't got the ball, you're not going to win. And seven, yeah. you only got seven minutes. So it's really about playing the game, showing how good you are one on one, and actually, you know, keeping, keeping it you know, busy. But now you've got the referees, every like you, you get a penalty for holding the ball, you get two minutes in the, in the bin. And then you've got teams seven against six, and they still can't score a try. Like, you sit there and go, say, well, guys, you know, I mean, I, I do a lot of coaching and um, I had to coach these, this girls uh, team and I said to the girls, sevens is about non-contact. They all look at me in shock horror because they actually want to tackle people. And I'm trying to understand that you don't have to run into people to be a good sevens player. You've got to learn around and, and you've got to start to, to play. But unfortunately, uh, in Australia, but I've been cancelled by Rugby Australia. I can't do anything. Uh, I was kicked off Stan TV because uh, my views were not the same as the the other guys, and I can't do articles in the paper. So basically, yeah, it's very, very frustrating. But 15 years uh, coaching and all that, uh, playing for Australia, that's uh, been banned because I don't comply to what everyone else wants to say. So very sad. But does it not make better TV? It's unfortunately got too much control. You know, and, you know, I mean, Dave Rennie was promised a job and then the CEO comes in and sacks him. Um, and then he just lost his job and he comes in. So it's it's like it's what the officials and sometimes the officials have never played the game. You know, I mean, we've been in a lot of trouble. We've had um, a lot of kids who I coach don't even know who the Wallabies are uh, because they just it's not on free to wear TV. You know, so it's it's really hard. Uh, but even I was over in Europe in November and I mean, you, if you haven't got Amazon, you can't watch rugby. You know, you've got BBC with one does one game, and you've got ITV does another. It's just, it's crazy. It's about money. It's about how much money they can rake in instead of trying to get the customer, you know, in Australia, um, stand do rugby here, but it's nobody watches, you know, and it's so, very sad. So free free to air rugby. Absolutely. I'm all for I'm all I'm all for that. I, yeah. I agree. 100%. Yeah, I mean it's it is. Look, I understand it's professional. I understand it's a money-making machine. But, yeah. um, you know, our history in Australian rugby is gone. But no one knows who we are. There's no real history. You know, people don't know who the older players are when we walk around, you know. But we, I worked at Rugby Australia two years ago. I walked in, no one knew who I was. <laughs> no, and, you, you know, that's crazy. That clueless, clueless. Yeah, but that's, mate, that's, that's the thing we've got to deal with out, deal with out here. And I think Eddie's um, Eddie, since he's been, he's in he's in the paper all the time. With Dave Redney, wasn't, you know. So I think Eddie's he knows how to pump up the, uh, the enthusiasm and all that. So that's that's a very positive thing. 
I was just, I was just about to ask, does it make sense that Eddie is, is returned? Uh, well, six, eight months out from a World Cup, it could either work two ways, very good or very bad. <laughs> it's up to the players. It's up to the players how they respond to a coach. You know, and I believe, you know, Eddie's he's got, his, he's got the runs on the board. But again, he's a very hard taskmaster. Master, sorry, master. So he's very, very demanding. And if you're not prepared to put the work in, you're going to struggle. But again, you are professional. This is your job. So you should be the best possible player at this level, I think. No, I agree, I agree with that. I'm still trying to contemplate the thing where you said that you went into rugby or show two years ago. I didn't know who you were. Like, I'd spill my coffee. Yeah. If I, yeah. Was, if I was, I was, I worked, I actually worked there. I had to go out and I was introduced to people. Yeah. No one had any idea because all the you know, average age is about 25, 26. So, I'm 24. You know. and I'm, I know who you are. Yeah, but, you're, but you come from a rugby country. You know, Australia, we've got, so we got rugby league and Aussie rules dominate big time here. And football's going, I think football now is in front of rugby. I think we've gone to the fifth sport in Australia because we don't entertain. And I said, the only way for sport in Australia, rugby to succeed, you've got to entertain the crowd. If you don't entertain, they can watch Aussie rules. They can watch rugby league on TV, free to wear. They can watch football. Now we've got cricket. So we've got five sports. Yeah. But, you know, so if you don't entertain, that's the whole idea. You've got to entertain the kids. And unfortunately, the grassroots, there's, there's no money being put back in the grassroots. And if you haven't got grassroots, you really haven't got rugby, have you? It's very true. Um, I love how passionate you are about this. Well, I um, coach. That's what I do. I mean, unfortunately, I've been coaching... Uh, you know, I, I, at the moment, I, I coach down at Newcastle. I'm the ambassador, but it's just, mate, it's it's very frustrating because you try and get a, a kid to do a switch or a loop, and they've got no idea or unders and overs. It always changes the terminology. Um, and I'm sitting there going, okay. So I gave these three kids the ball. And I said, right, three of you against two of these guys. I want you to beat these two. I want you to, without a spiral or a cutouts. Thirty seconds later, they're still looking at me. So I said, okay, I'll show you how to do it. So I ran the line, dummy, pass, and then they'd seen it because they, hadn't, they don't see it. There's no switches. It's all robotic play. You watch the game, you can see exactly what they're trying to achieve, you know, and, um, and that's what I mean. We were allowed to do different things, and the coaches endorsed that. You know, Bob Dwyer, Alan Jones, we had back lines galore that just ran the ball from everywhere, but we had the skills to do that. You know, Michael Checker, 2019. He didn't have the plays with the skills. That's why he had to change the game, you know. And then what happens, he loses. So he, we, we tell him to piss off instead of saying, guys, you know, um, why don't we have someone here to coach? Because, look, if you think about Eddie Jones, uh, Bob DeWay also, uh, and Czech, they all went overseas first to coach to come back here and coach Australia. They had to go overseas to prove themselves. Yeah. You know, when we, now we've got five super rugby teams. Uh, we've got one Kiwi, Brad Thorne, and we've got one South African. I mean, we should have Australian coaches because you want one of those coaches to go to the next level. Yeah, I've, yeah. Yeah, I've always said, so like, I know it's, it's not panned out that way, but like, well, actually no, it did because Gregor Townsend was the assistant coach of Scotland, got yep. the Glasgow head coach job, won their only league title with Glasgow there, and now he's the head coach of the national team. Yeah. But see, he, he's a Scottish player. He's born in Scotland. He knows yeah. Scotland, the, the traditions. And that's why it's hard to get a foreign coach. A foreign coach doesn't understand the, 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 
what is it the not the, the the actual understanding of we are a different people the kiwis we are a different people to the welsh you know we are who we are but what we were good at was we always tried different things and we allowed the players to do it that's fair no that's very fair i've got a question it's from the black jersey he's asked what was the biggest thing you learned from transitioning into the professional era because your your cutoff was kind of just the start of yeah of yeah I played about uh, I think it was ninety six after World Cup um, uh, look I, I there wasn't I think the uh, the body fat situation was probably the worst <laughs> pre pre season it wasn't good um, but then they um, sort of got us to about percentage and I felt really weak so I had to sort of put a bit more fat on. Um, I, I I was very fortunate because I was a professional before professionalism. My attitude was always professional. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't, um, I, I, you know, no one ever saw what how I trained. I just saw the performance. So I was very dedicated. I trained. Um, as I said, I went to Italy for 10 years. I did the whole year of rugby for 10 years straight. Um, and I, what I'd learned was that I got dropped in one of the games uh, when I was playing for New South Wales and in South Africa. And uh, the coach called me and said, uh, we're going to rotate you out of the team this week. I said, so you're dropping me. No, 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 no. It's called rotation. And I said, you're going to drop me, eh? So he said, no, no. Anyway, so I walked out of the office. Like, I was 35. So I said, well, I two ways I can look at this. I can go out with all the trainers, guys, and come last and tell you I've had enough. Or I can go out there and come first. So I went out there and I did everything first. Just to show, it doesn't matter if you got drops. That was my attitude. So uh, what what I what I'd learned about professionalism is that the the coaches have got too much control and they're too scared to try because they're on a contract and if they have a different the percentages aren't kept, they get sacked. But the thing is, if you want to play a style of rugby, you've got to give the guys the skills to play a certain style. You can't send them out there playing a game of rugby if they if they don't know what happens if something breaks down you know you've got to react you've got to have that instinct of the game and the passion of the game and I think that's what our coaches gave to us uh even in Italy my when I went over there um in 84 after the Grand Slam my first training session in a place called uh Padova Petrarca was 5,000 people turned up and I'm looking at it in the snow and I'm sitting there going what what is this they've just been watching the, the Grand Slam. Anyway, so the first two games got absolutely smashed. The Italian said, you're the star, here's the ball. Got, got, didn't wasn't good. So Vittorio Monardi, who's a, a great friend of mine and uh, coach, we had lunch and he said, um, how would you like to play number 10? And I've gone, fine. So I played number 10. So as a winger fullback, as a finisher, now I've got to be the creator. So I understood the game. I could read a game easily. It wasn't hard to read because I had to play 10. And that's it. I was playing against Michael Liner. I was playing against Joel Stransky, Rhino Bodica. So it actually helped. Nas Boita from South Africa as well. So I, I played against these guys. So I knew exactly how to play the game. And then mm. I'd go back to the wing and I, would, I knew exactly what was happening. By the way you stand, what they're looking for. So my knowledge of the game was, you know, it was, it was amazing. And, um, 
I that's what I learned. I could kick right foot, I could kick left foot. You know, there's not many. It really annoys me these days. The number tens in the world rugby, they can't kick both feet. They're professional. Why can't they kick both feet? I I, I don't understand. That's what I mean. Are we really professional? Why aren't these players the best players? They're getting all the money. They've got everything they want. You know, we had a test match back in the day. We had three days uh, training before a test. Yeah. Get on a Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, Friday, team on play, Saturday, go home Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> now they're, they're together for six weeks. Yeah. And they still get out there and make mistakes. You sit there and go, guys, uh, why aren't you the best players in the world? Really? I mean, you've got everything you want. You've got... You've got psychologists. You've got uh, all these guys getting training things for you. You do, you know, you've got, it's amazing what they've got. And you watch a game, you go, why, why is he doing that? Why doesn't he pass the ball? Why can't, and you sit there and go, it is the way it is. I'm guessing, does, I'm guessing that, like, as, as, does all games, like, frustrate you now? Or, like, I hadn't. Well, I, I don't watch. I don't watch much because the, the the thing that really annoys me is some of the commentators out here. It's just, mate, they just they they talk the game up, and you sit there and go, mate, that's uh, pretty simple. But yeah. I suppose obviously they're trying to get a crowd, a new audience, you know. And you know, as I said, I go and coach, and I ask the kids what position do you play. And he says number ten. Who's your favourite player? I haven't got one. Or they say Bowden Barrett, my Wunga from New Zealand, because uh, we have got a lot of New Zealanders play in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. I suppose the Bill McLarens would be very de- devastated to see, I think, how the game's gone um, uh, and, and things like that. But again, that's just the way I look at the game. I'm very passionate about the game. But unfortunately, you know, in a couple of months, I'm going to give away coaching altogether because no one really cares. They don't care who we are. They don't want to listen. And, um, you know, and they don't watch the game. So it's very hard to promote something if they don't watch it. That's, that's quite sad, actually. You should come over here because there's tons of people that watch. Well, it. nobody, no, mate, I've tried. No one's, no one's interested because you're not going to fit into what they want. They want to control, you know. A very good friend of mine actually coached um, Scotland was uh, Mass, uh, Massimo Kitita years ago, Yeah, you know, and then Scott Johnson came along and um, brought his Welsh guys and um, went to Italy and sacked him. Because he didn't, because they all come as mates, you know. They, Dave Rennie came out to Australia to coach Australia. He had the whole team that he had at Glasgow. He brought yeah. them all out to coach. He didn't know half of them. <laughs> but that's how they stick together, you know, and they're all managed by the same company. I mean, it's really strange, but that's how it works now because some people don't want to work with others. They're not sure how it's going to work or they're not happy or it's a different way of playing. And it's, that's, it's like that's how it works, you know. But anyway, so I, you know, so a couple of months, I don't really care after that. You know, they can do what they like, and you know, I'll just go and watch my son play cricket and my daughter play hockey, and you know, have a bit of fun with the family. I was just about to ask, what's what's next for Camp Easy after? Yeah, after look, uh, yeah, it's well, I've got this, a few opportunities I'm, I'm looking at the moment, so it's just it is sad because it's I've been doing it for so long. You know, I've yeah. um, that's all I've done is coaching. And speaking, but you know, because of a big cancer, there's no speaking engagements, there's nothing, you know. So, and when it's interesting, um, when Eddie Jones got selected for Australia again as coach, they go and interview Dan Carter, <laughs> who's a Kiwi. Yeah. That's... Like you sit there and go, okay, well, that's right. 
You know, they, they won't come. It's like your bands or go over there because they're not they're happy, they're not happy with what I've got to say. You know, I'm going to say something that they probably don't like. But I mean, the thing is, you ask me, I'll give you the answer. Isn't that what journalists are supposed to do? Well, I thought so anyway. That's what I thought it was that was the whole point of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because even that's how I do it as as well. If you ask me a question, I'll answer it. Obviously, I'll answer it the best I can, but I will always be yeah, look. I, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm right either. It's just my opinion. Yeah, exactly. But you've got to have you've got to have an opinion. You can't sit on the fence. You're, you've actually had this at like a perfect time because I do so like say like New Zealand or playing Australia tomorrow hypothetically mm. there's a team sheet and I'll go right I prefer that prop that hooker like do a combined 15 mm. so I do it for like every big game and because I went a bit more biased to Scotland than I did Ireland like people were coming at me in the comments it was ruthless i got told like never make a video again don't quit the day yeah job. but i mean but the thing is that's 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 your opinion but you're scottish you're not going to go against your own country i mean even though that you know scotland ireland are the number one team in the world and you've got to say listen it's going to be bloody hard but yes. you know on the day you never know what can happen look at france what they did to england whoever thought it would have been 50 points nobody that's another thing that's came up because I said I did like predictions as well, and I did like mm. France by six because historically it's a tighter game yeah. and it could go either way. And, and the Twickenham. Like, yeah, and it's at Twickenham. They hadn't won at Twickenham since like 2007, I think it was. Mm. I was like, you know what? France by six or England by three. I was like, I can see that going either way. And then yeah. France and bowl that, and, like, and there's people in the comments like, well, you got that one wrong. I'm like, nobody got that one right. No one knew that was coming. <laughs> That's why sometimes the best is to say it's going to be a nil or draw. Actually, I actually think the referee's got to be the man of the match. Man of the match, yeah. Rugby wins at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, rugby wins at the end of the day, exactly. But, yeah. like, but that's the problem. You see, people, they look, you, they ask you, what do you reckon? Oh, okay, Australia by 20. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, and Australia, Australia lose. Oh, well, you were very good. Were you? I said, well, you asked me. I'm just thinking. Yeah. I'm not involved with the team. I'm just trying to think, well, I would really like Australia to win. You know, you don't really go against your own country. You're not going to go against your own country. And people go, well, that's not good. I said, well, hold it. That's that's just the way I am. If you know, if you don't like it, don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's exactly how I am. I'm, I've always said, regardless of the result prior in the week prior, I will back my clubs. I will back my, my country. And I, don't, I think people think it means like, oh, Scotland's going to win the Grand Slam. In my eyes, I'm like, no. It means we're going to win that game. Yeah, that's it. The eighty minutes we're going to win that. Doesn't yeah, well, that's that. that but that's that, but that's the problem now. You, you people have got more of a. Uh, they just they just don't like people saying things that they don't want to hear. That's society, mate. We we've got a you know that's around the world. It's it's a mess, mate. People have got so much you can't say anything to see who who they are or what they are and. You know, you just got to be. And I said, I was born in the '60s. You know, I was born up, you know, born here in Australia. Yeah. And you brought up a certain way. You can't change the way you brought up. No, no. You know, and I've always been, I've always been outspoken, and unfortunately, it hasn't helped. You know, look at Clarkson. I, I love Clarkson. That show he does with his farm. And, you know, and you got some people trying to get rid of him because he didn't. He said something I didn't like. I said, suck it up. <laughs> Life yeah. is that, you know. As I 
it's it's ones that I don't get. That's like it offends them, but it's not. They're not speaking on their behalf. Yeah, I'll say something that offends like you, but like as somebody else has told me that it's offensive. Yeah, well, it, it makes no sense. I don't get that. Well, that's why the problem is, is that's that's what I mean. That's why they don't, you know, I was with my articles. I did all my articles last year and they were very good. People loved them. And then one day the guy just said, oh, look, um, yeah, we, um, we're going to have a bit of a break now. And I said, well, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew then it was no more. So, you know, but that's just the way it is, mate. I mean, you're told by a guy that's no good on TV um, and he's never been in TV in his life. You know, I was on TV, lived in South Africa, been around the world on TV, never had a problem overseas, but I only yeah. have a problem in my own country. And that's just, that's always been the problem. That's why when I played my rugby, I always played my best rugby in Europe because there was never any pressure. Yeah. You know, the journos loved it. You know, I've got really good friends. You know, Mike Cleary, I think it was a journo. You had uh, Mark Schuster. You know, had all those, you know, Bill McLaren's a great mate of mine. Like all those people love the game. They were very passionate. Now you get these kids who have never got no idea about the game, writing about things. You go, really? I said, you, have you actually watched the game? Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not a, a passion. It's the, it's just a job. Yeah, you know? and See, they're told what to write. Yeah, yeah. See, now I'm trying. This is my. I don't get paid for this. You're so you're actually doing this completely voluntarily. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah. I mean, just, believe it or not, all the podcasts I've done. Uh, there hasn't been one done in Australia. All my podcasts are in Europe or uh, South Africa or New Zealand. Nothing in Australia. That, that's really baffling. I, want, I really want to know what you said now. That's so <laughs> horrific. I'll tell you what I said. It was actually uh, two years ago, Australia played England at uh, Twickenham. Mm-hmm. And I was over there and uh, I told Stan I was going to be over there and um, and what I did was, after the game, we lost to England. And it was, it was about three days after uh, the date that we won the World Cup in 91. We played that you know, three days before. Yeah. And before the game, I said, you know, I hope the Wallabies realise what happened, you know, 30 years ago. It's a great moment of Australian sport. Anyway, they go out there, and they're pretty clueless. So the guy said, what do you think? I said, oh, I, said um, oh, I thought the Wallabies were clueless today. I said, England were poor. But I just said, we played as individuals. And then there was a, 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 a dumb forward in the, on the TV in Australia and I didn't hear because I had no earpiece. Yeah. And he basically said, oh, I don't know what planet camp is on, but I thought England played well. So and he, this guy is actually part of rugby. He's got a job looking after the players. So everyone on TV has got a job with Rugby Australia somewhere. And mm-hmm. so they just, and after that, that was basically it. And I knew I was in trouble. So... Even, oh. you know, but, but also, but the thing is, you know, everyone on TV, there, you know, uh, I won a World Cup. We yes. won a Grand Slam. I won the Bledisla Cup. These guys haven't won much at all. So, so you know, yeah. so that's the problem. Like, you know, I've won, we've won. So I've got an opinion and I just said, well, this is what we used to do. This, I know it's different. But yes. what's, the, what's the problem? But because I'm a lot older as well, they're all the same age. And mm-hmm. that's, they just, you know, they wear the nice white sneakers and all that, you know, it looks cool. You know, I just no. I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm too old for that crap. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think I was. I don't think it was that bad. I mean, like, I would rather. I'll use, I will use you as an example. Like, so, like, 
international test is on the TV. You've got your TV presenter because you've always got your TV presenter. You've got your former yeah. Australia player, which would be you, your former yeah. Scotland player, and then you've got a neutral. Yeah. For the most part. And it would come up like David Campisi, 91 World Cup winner, 101 yeah. caps, yeah. five tackles, because I remembered. Yeah, thank you. you know, I, I, I would come up and you'd be like, wow. What? And then what I don't like, and I'm, I'm not naming names or anything, but it would be like such and such, eight caps. I'm like, oh, yeah. woo. Whoopee. Yeah. yeah. And then you look into it, so it was like, the time period I'm like so you weren't actually the main guy ever you no, were no but, 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 but even in South Africa I lived there you know there was John Mitchell and myself you know we would do super rugby if it was Australian team versus a South African team yeah. um, and we would give our comments you know and th- then you know the way I look at it is you try and tell people because the people who watch rugby know rugby not going to yeah. go flick through a channel oh let's just watch this rugby they know yeah. so you can't talk to them like okay, the first half, this is what they did. They've just seen that. They don't want that. They want to hear what should they be doing? How are they going to do it? Yep. You know, who's the players? And that's what I learned about TV. You've got to try and think about, okay, this is, this is what they need to do to make it. The thing is, I don't know if you've seen Australia, but they, they, as a player comes off at halftime, they're interviewing the poor guy. And normally it's a proper hooker who can't breathe. Yeah, I don't And they're trying that. to interview him as he's walking off. <laughs> And you go, mate, I'm leave the poor guy alone. Let him go and try. I'm so glad we don't do that here because it just ah. looks so bizarre. Or yeah. there's, another, there's another thing, and this happens across the world in every sport, and I don't like it. <laughs> Why, regardless if it's a narrow defeat or a very heavy defeat, do people interview the losing captain and the losing coach and go, what happened? We got beat. What do you mean? <laughs> oh yeah, we got to we got to look at our structures. We didn't really do that properly, and um, we got to control the ball a bit more to break down. I've gone, mate. Really, just tell the truth. I mean, if you're going to get flogged by like the under twenties, Scotland did. The coach has got to say we're just not good enough. I mean, Basically, not, we've got to not we're not doing the right things. You know, we've got a lesson tonight. Yeah. But they don't say that because oh yes, you know they played a better. We didn't really some of our. I mean, the classic was. Um, there was one game uh, New South Wales played a couple of years ago and they actually lost. And after the game, they said to Michael Hooper, what's, oh, yeah, mate, we didn't really, our scrums weren't really good tonight. Mm. You know, we really didn't do our phases. And I'm sitting there, mate, you lost. Yeah. You know, but are we, you know, we've got to work on this. And I'm sitting there going, so they're never negative about, actually, it was pretty poor. You mm. can't say that because in this environment, you know, poor guy might have a breakdown, you know. Um, <laughs> It's, it's just, it's, you know. I, I get you. But the, this this weekend has actually been an eye-opener because Ellis Genge was captain for England and was hmm. very honest, I think, for the most part. Michelle Romaro, the Italian captain, did not hold back at all. And I was like, yeah, we need that. I love that. Yeah, but, but you need the players to speak the truth. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You need to, to say, I mean, I remember I mean I remember ninety-four we played a test against New Zealand and I there was a really something happened and uh Jamie Joseph scored a try. And after the game I said that was my fault. I should have actually yeah. stayed out instead of coming in. Yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta take responsibility. You can't because everyone watches. <laughs> They're not silly. <laughs> the one that baffles me is when again it's as as people online, you know, the, the know it alls. 
as when oh look, mate, there's, there's a, they've never played the game in their lives. Yeah, love it all. Yeah, user two nine eight seven six whatever has said, I think we lost because of that player. Why you? <laughs> why are you pointing at that one player? Mm. Um, what, have you, what has he done to you? Yes. To yeah. Yep. Yeah. How can you blame one player in a fifteen team? Exactly. There's no I in team. Exactly. It's, mm. it's just, it, yeah. it's so stupid. But we're going to go, actually, we've got a few more questions, sorry. Just, yep. before, we're some, just before we go into something different. Um, Harv, that does a show with me as well, has asked, if there's one player ever you wish you played with, who would it have been? Doesn't have to be a bad, doesn't have to, The player who player. I should have, I'd love to have played with. Yeah. Um, oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I, I, I think I would love to have played um, a guy probably by the name of Ray Mort from South Africa. Okay. Uh, my wife's from Zimbabwe and Ray Mort's from Zimbabwe. Oh, nice. uh, but I, I played against him in a sevens tournament, but not at, at test level. Uh, I think those old days, the, the the Springboks and the All Blacks sort of test matches, you know, they were unbelievable, you know. Um, and yeah. it's just the, especially being a winger, you know, they were very, very different type of wingers. Yeah. Um, and just, it just, I think it's just the, the the way they played the game, the way they looked at playing the game, and the involvement they got. You know, every time they got it, they'd create something, and that's that's what I that's what I liked, and that's what I you know, tried to emulate when I got playing. Fair enough. Cam has asked. He's he's chucked another question. I was like, what was your toughest ever game that you played? Uh, probably it depends on uh, circumstances. Uh, probably the England Test in '91. Uh, obviously, beating New Zealand the week before was great, but then you know we we came to London, and you know it, it's it's quite interesting. You got six games, um, you can't get fitter or stronger as you go along. You that's who you are, you know. Yeah. And we we got to London, and uh, the first training session, I walked out with the players, and I said to Nick, I said, mate, we're in trouble here. I could see the players were mentally gone. We were drained. We yes. just beat the world champions. We flogged the world champions, you know. So now you've got one more game to go, and that's why it wasn't a great game. If you watch that game again, it wasn't great. Um, so that in in the, the pressure circumstances, that was a tough game. Um, then, you know, if you look at... Um, uh, Bledisloe Cups against New Zealand, the British Lions in '89. Um, you know that was a tough game. When the, the second game was a was a bash fest, the third game, you know things didn't really go at that my way. I got the ball, uh, hadn't seen the ball all game. The the the, the British and Irish Lions sort of made sure that I didn't get the ball. So when I did, I made a mistake, and the world knew about it. Um, but then you know then. The thing in life you learn, you know, if I didn't make that mistake, I probably wouldn't have been the player I was in 91, you know. So you've got to, in, in life, people got to understand, you've got to make mistakes. You can't be perfect. Exactly. The more yeah. mistakes you make, the better you're going to be. And that's in life. And uh, that's how I played my rugby. And that's why I said, okay, that was, it wasn't a great night. Uh, after that, went home, got pulled over by the police for speeding. Um, 
great, you know, wasn't good. But um, and then, you know, that was eighty nine. Two years later, we win the Rugby World Cup. Fair enough. So you learn. You learn. Yeah, you do. Um, Jay Mulvin has asked, "What was it like to lift the Rugby World Cup?" Yeah, look, it was a, it was a great um, it was a great moment. I think people don't realise the the sacrifices and what you do to get there. Because all you all you see is you come to the game, you see the performance. Yeah, you know you don't see what goes behind the performance. You know the things that you know. Um, when I was in Queanbeyan, you know, I used to go to, to lunch. I used to go over and do some goal kicking, some sprinting, um, and I just tried to be the best possible player I could be. Rugby league chased me. Um, I my kicking was 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 pretty good because I played Aussie rules as a kid, so I could kick the ball pretty well at torpedo. So I had many facets to the game. So that's why I was probably good as a wing and fullback. And it sort of helps, you know, uh, playing number 10 as well, sort of knowledge. I think the willingness to learn and the willingness to be the best. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Because you don't, like you've said, you don't really see, you might now because there'll probably be a documentary on it, but like you don't see the ins and outs and like the sacrifices because obviously times were different then. You can't yeah. really bring you can't really bring the I, I could be wrong, but I don't think you were allowed to bring your family with you for that time. No, there was none of that. It was still in the ambulance. We were getting 20, 20 quid a day, so that was our payments. Oh woo. woo. And in 1984, we played 18 games. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for 18 games. Oof. And we got 20 quid a day. Yay. That was when we won the Grand Slam. Hmm. Oh, but again, but that was that was life, mate. It was great. It wasn't no, no, about no. the money. No, no. It was just the like I I was what twenty three years old, you know, going over. One went to New Zealand eighty two, played the All Blacks. Had no idea who, who the All Blacks were. Um, and then eighty four, going over to Europe. You know, I went. Uh, it's this is an interesting story. We went, uh, arrived in London, um, and um, Alan Jones was the coach. Back in those days, we had Alan Jones as the coach. Mm-hmm. We had uh, the manager, Chilla Wilson. We had the physio and doctor. That's all we had. We had three off-the-field people, three. Mm-hmm. Not like now, there's more off-the-field than on-the-field. <laughs> so anyway, so this night we went over to watch a football game and we're watching mm-hmm. Liverpool. Craig Johnson, Rush, Barnes. And um, so, uh, so that was back in 84. So where I live, when I work in Newcastle, uh, there's a guy there called Craig Johnson who was a Liverpool player and we spent a lot of time together. Oh, nice. <laughs> and he's from, he's, do you know that he's actually born in South Africa, Craig Johnson, and uh, played in England and yeah, he lives in Newcastle. So he's an unbelievable, unbelievable player, unbelievable guy. The, the wealth of knowledge as well, you know, but we all, that was the, that was the time. Everyone had flair, they had, you know, charisma and they all got great stories to tell. Fair enough. Um, got a question, two questions now. It's actually from my parents. So my mum and dad's actually chucking the question. My mum asked, what made you decide rugby over golf? Because you were actually winning like quite a lot of trophies in golf as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was uh, won the school board championship at 15. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that... Um, Golf, I remember one day practicing, thinking, geez, you know, I mean, to be the best golfer in the world, there's so many golfers. 
yeah. if you think about it, this you know you play every Saturday. There's so many goals. I played with guys who were very good, and I was thinking, sheesh, I mean, you know, imagine doing this week in week out. You know, the training and all that. So I think it was it was a great thing to play, mm. and I lived 100 meters from the course, so that helped. But then I don't know. I just went over and I just thought, okay, rugby just seems something to do, and off I went and did it. I don't know. I actually don't know, but I, I just remember at the time thinking, you know, I mean, you practice and you practice and you practice and you practice and, you know, one bad shot, you're in a bit of shit. So, um, yeah, I still play a bit now with my son, but it's not really just a bit, bit of enjoyment, you know. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with that. And my dad has asked, what are your thoughts on uh, current world rugby, like higher-ups, like the bosses that run the show? Yeah, I think it's very sad that we've got um, guys there that have been there far too long. Um, and, you know, I remember going to the World Cup 2019, going into VIP. Well, some of the guys there are still there, were there when I played. <laughs> and they're, they're the rules of the game. Like I'm sitting there going, guys, it's, you, this is a professional era, but you still want to be the amateurs and come around to every test. You know, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you give Peugeot the, the presidency? He would have changed things. Younger, looked at different things, but no, mate, nothing's going to change. As Will Carling said, mate, still same 52 old farts. Nothing's changed. We're in the professional era. That's fair. Really? That's, yeah. No, no. They, don't look at, they don't look at the game as a modern game, as getting a you know, why, why do they want to change the laws? Why do they change the laws when they want? Who wants to do a goal line dropout? That's rugby league. Why do we go and get rugby league rules? Now it's a 50 20. Like, guys, do you see rugby league worried about our game? Do you think that's made our game a better game? You know, to me, throw the ball, no lifting. See if you can jump. You know, the ball doesn't go in straight anyway. It was quite interesting watching the England, the Women's World Cup. You know, I mean, if you watch the lineouts, the ball was never straight, but they played on. Yeah. Because they want a fast game. Yeah, that's right. You know, but if you get your arm under one, oh, you can't do that. Or, or the advantage now, you get an advantage of 25 minutes. Oh, we didn't go far enough, come back, we'll do it again. I said, guys, you get advantage, you get three times to use the ball, bad luck, yeah. you use it, or you kick it away, play on, go. Make yeah. the game exciting, you know? That's right. I, I agree with the advantage thing. I get, so like a knock-on advantage, it's like seconds and it's done. Fine. And I, but that's all like if, if I put my hand in the rock, see, see, it doesn't matter if it, who it's against. See if you see an advantage five metres out for, like, handling in the rock. I'm like, just gives them the points. You're, but the other thing is, you know, you, you, you watch the games, the, the team's attacking, attacking, and they said, oh, advantage, you're offside. I said, mate, you're on the line. Where are you supposed to go? <laughs> yeah. Where, where are you going? Where are you going to go? I oh, bet you got to, you know, I'm sitting there going, really? But the amount of mistakes the referees make is unbelievable. I don't know if you've watched over the weekend. Go and have a look how many forward passes there were. Mate, it was shocking. I'll, no, I'll, 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 I'll have a look. Go and have a look at some of the tries. I definitely will. Um, we've got, we're going to go into something totally different now. So it's getting to know Campo as a person. It's got really nothing to do about rugby or, right. or anything. So okay. what is your favourite film? Uh, oh, good question. Um, oh, they are, uh, Indiana Jones. First one. or. Uh, all of them. All of them. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, so, 
if there was a film on the life and career of David Campisi, who's playing you in the film? Who's playing Campo? Uh, how about um, um, oh, what's Hemmings? He's trying Chris Hemmings. Is it Chris? No, uh, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. How's that? He's a bit, big, bit bigger than me. Bit bigger <laughs> than me, but you know, he's a Aussie, so that helps. That works, yeah. But I'm, I'm all for that. I like, I love the Marvel films, and I like Thor. So well, my, my daughter, my daughter, and my, my wife would probably like that too. Yeah. <laughs> probably get to meet him. Yeah, because Chris is or, a very good. Uh, or, or I must say, or the other guy would have been uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah, fair enough. That works as well. Russell, Russell loves his rugby too. So there we go. Happy days. He could have even got Matt Damon to do it. I know he played uh, Francois Pino. No, mate. No, no, no thanks. Yeah, there was a bit of a difference in size there and the accent. Yeah, that's <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, favourite style of music or your favourite song? Kind of oh, mate, uh, this is... Uh, I play all the 80s music in the car for my kids, you know. They look at me and, and the thing is, most of the movies these days have got all the 80s music in it. Yeah. You know the seventies and eighties, and um, there was a, there was a I, I remember this song. I think it was um, nineteen eighty four. I think it was on the Grand Slam. Was uh, Fox on the Run by Sweet? Nice. Um, and obviously, um, over the years, I met Phil Collins, uh, Robbie Williams, and you know, I've seen him in concerts. Uh, mate, the, the, yes, there's. Uh, there's a song uh, by Goanna in Australia, um, um, Lightning Over the Cane Fields. It's actually a very good song, an Aussie song. You know, um, there's a lot of, um, mate, you can pick whatever you want. I mean, but that's just one of the songs I've always listened to. That's, that's fair enough. Um, Favourite style of food? Style of food? Yeah, like food cuisine or... Yeah, uh, Italian, obviously. I could cook Italian. During the COVID, if you go onto my Instagram, I did some cooking programs every Friday night. Nice. So, so uh, yeah. what's your, your go-to? If I, if I was around at, at Campos for dinner, what are you cooking with? Well, it depends. I had risotto tonight, cooked risotto for the kids uh, with pea and uh, bacon. Uh, I do a nice cabanada. Um, I do a nice um, uh, tuna pasta, uh, quattro fromage. Uh, mm. With uh, pasta or risotto, mate. Anything you like, I can. I can really cook. There we go. Love that. Um, favorite pizza topping. Uh, pizza topping uh, is um, pepperoni, olives, uh, capers, and a bit of oil. Okay. And uh, mozza- mozzarella. Of course. Does pineapple belong with pizza? Uh, well, when I lived in Italy back in uh, back in the day, and um, I used to go to the same pizzeria called Pepin, and uh-huh. my um, pizzas were unbelievable. Anyway, so one day I went there. And I said, uh, "Franco, posso prendere the um, uh, what's to say pineapple? Oh, I can't say Italian. Now the pineapple on the pizza." He said, "Mate, sweet and sour does not go well with the pizza." So that was the comment back then. So. It does. I mean, the kids love it because that's we're Australian. We, but when you go to Wickley, they're very, very traditional. And I think after a while, you actually put pineapple on the menu. So, oof. I mean, I've I've always said no. So, it's up to each other. My kids like that's it. So, you know. Do you have any tattoos? Definitely not. 
Definitely fair not interested in that sort of stuff. I told my kids never to get them either. <laughs> That's fair. If, if, if they listen, it's up to them, but who knows? I'll, 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 go, I'll go for that. Um, dream vacation destination, because you've been all, over, all around the world, so... Um, oh, yeah, we, we go, uh, my wife's normally the best one who does all that sort of uh, holiday. Uh, Fiji we've been to, obviously lived in South Africa, going game drives, uh, been to France, obviously on the rugby tour. Um, uh, oh, that's an interesting one. Probably go, I wouldn't mind, I think uh, I've been on the Queen Mary a couple of times speaking and as well uh, from Mauritius. Uh, I think Turkey would be an interesting place to go to. Uh, we've okay. been to Hungary. My wife's brother lives in Hungary, so we went there. Um, so, yeah, just Prague and those sort of places would be in Turkey. Something, you know, a bit different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just uh, a quick story. Back in 98, I was, obviously I played sevens as well. So mm. we had the World Sevens and we played in Paris on Saturday, on the Saturday. And it was, we had we actually won the Paris Sevens. Anyway, the next week we were in uh, um, Israel playing Sevens. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, so we, first time ever. So we, we went to the Holy City. Uh, Eric Rush was a great Sevens player. And uh, we got blessed at the Wailing Wall. We went, walked around. Uh, all these school teachers were walking around with machine guns. <laughs> so it was a very different environment. <laughs> okay. uh, the day... <laughs> The day after, we went to um, Bethlehem. So you got to oh, go through the, yeah, go in, come this little, the door would have been probably about that high. It's very small. And the, the original floor was there. Uh, you walk down these stairs, there's marble stairs, and there's a hole in the ground. And uh, so we had the Fijians, the Tongans, the Samoans, you know, the Kiwis were all there. So all the, uh, the Fijians that said, oh, camp, I'll have a photo. I said, fine, have a photo. Anyway, we had a young guy called Brendan Williams. He was a young Aboriginal guy who played at my club at Randwick. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we went back to Randwick, we had a, a great uh, club store called Jeff Sale, who was a great coach, great mate, been around forever. And he said, like, he said, Brendan, he said, Brendan, he said, mate, what was the, uh, what was the tour like? He said, yeah, mate. He said, Campo took us and showed us where he was born. Sorry, right, I had to throw that in. So you didn't really get it, did you? You didn't really get that one, did you? I got in that. In Bethlehem. Yeah. No, you yeah, didn't even laugh. That's why I, I don't tell it. I was laughing. <laughs> I did get it. I did get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I believe you. All right. No, no I but was... I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of the world to see. There's so many good places, you know. And, um, yeah, so we hopefully will be in Paris this year for the seventh, for their World Cup. I love that. I don't... It's, I think it's because you drew me in with the story as well. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are Scottish, though, so that's that's probably one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let that one slide. Um, okay. What's your, what's your favourite or, or your go-to social drink? If you're out on the socials, I know you said you weren't uh, drinking back then, but... No, well, when I was playing for Australia at 19, I was drinking orange juice, which didn't okay. go down real well. Yeah. Uh, then I moved on to uh, Kalura milk um, because there's so much milk and not a Kalura. Then it was Malibu and milk. No, um, no, no. Why, why the milk? Because uh, when I was in Queanbeyan, um, the coach of the first grade said, and I was playing fourth grade, mm-hmm. he saw me out one night and he said, you've got a great career in front of you in black belt and karate. If I ever see you drink it, I'll belt the crap out of you. I said, okay. 
So I never tried. Yeah, but I'm made up for it now. Okay, so, so you, I like to see there's a, there's a lot here. Um, I'll just show you what's this. I'll show you what I've got here. This is um, when you go to Bundaberg, uh, they make their own, they can make your own uh, labels. Oh, cool. Oh, I like that. Uh, and you like this one from the famous grouse? There they go. Oh, got your there name How's that? Yeah, there's another Campo one. That's the um, play of the tournament World Cup. That's the trophy from Australia. That's pretty cool. Really nice. Yeah, so I do. Yeah, so I do like uh, red wines and all that. So yeah, so it's it's part of you know. I get a bit older, so yeah, uh, a lot of uh, Sauvignon Blancs and a lot of um, nice red wines. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, Tim Horan or Michael Weiner? Or what? Just in life, as a rugby player, as a person, who would you rather go for a drink or a meal with? Just well, anything. they're both Queenslanders, and we don't like Queenslanders. <laughs> I did a function. I did a function a couple of months ago with Tim Hoare and John Eels on stage, and I absolutely copped it. They took the crap out of me the whole time. I'm sitting there going, "Anything else, guys?" You know. I'm a New South Welshman. I'm a New South Welshman. We didn't really get on for Queenslanders that well. Uh, I'd go out with Mark Eller, Nick Far Jones, sort of guys like that. So yeah, each to their own. You know. Yeah, all good. All good. Um, favorite thing about Italy compared to Australia? Um, oh, lifestyle, a bit more relaxed. I've got my relos there, um, and uh, it's just uh, my wife Lara would actually go. Love to go and live in Italy. You know, take the kids and be a great experience. Um, because my dad was obviously there, and I went over when I was two years old. Got a lot of relos. And I think just the just the way of living—it's a total. They live for life, you know. Yeah. And I think it's um, it's 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 just a great place to, you know, it's just a, just for the kids to understand a bit more about the world. And I think it's very important. Like we lived in South Africa for ten years, taking the kids everywhere, so they understand a lot more about different countries and how things are. So I think it's very important. No, I agree with that. I love that as an answer. Final question for you today. One thing you'd like to be remembered for. Um, I don't really care. Each their own. Doesn't bother me. <clears throat> As I said, I mean, I've given I've given fifteen years after rugby to my life. Played for fifteen years, still involved. Mm. And just after a while, it just gets it's a bit. You think you're trying to help, but no one cares. So I don't really care now. No, people no, are always no. going to, but but people are always going to judge. They, everyone's got something about you. I mean, I I see I saw something. It's so like you talked about before beaten abuse. I saw something where. Um, Someone picked me in the best 15. And some guy commented, how can Cam Peasy be in the best 15? He can't even tackle. And I'm sitting there going, mate, I don't even, I don't pick myself. I just yeah. sit there. People either pick you or I don't really care. <laughs> you know, and the problem is he's probably never played rugby in his life, but yeah. that's just the way you are. You either like you or you hate you. There's nothing in between. No, so no, I, don't, no. I, don't, I don't really care, mate. I mean, I, I, just, I just, as long as my kids are happy, um, I told them, unfortunately, they've got a really bad surname in Australia, so they might cop a bit of crap <laughs> you know, if they play sports and, uh, yeah, just got to get on with it, suck it up. I, I still think it's baffling that you have like, you gave so much to, to that. Life, mate. You just, yeah, I know, but it's, just, mate, it's, it's sad, but what can you do? Fix it. I'll fix No, it's fine. I've been there, done that, mate. I've had enough. Move on. Fair enough. That's <laughs> fair enough. I, I, but 
the book is, where's, I've lost the book, there is. Book is now closed. You've absolutely yep. smashed every question. And I honestly cannot, like, this doesn't feel real. People either, they don't really know who I am because they read what I say or the comments are normally different, what you talk about. And, mate, that's just the way I've always been. You know, I've always been outspoken and you either like it, you like it, if you don't, bad luck. But at least I know that I've, I can back up what I've done. And as I said, like, it's, it's just these days, it's very sad that you, I mean, I'm just glad nowadays there's no cuddling in the kitchen after you score tries. You know, those big hairy forwards, blah, not a, not a good sight. <laughs> Fair enough. But no, like, we've, this is the biggest interview I've ever done. So thank you for okay. For no, thanks very much. I appreciate it. And I mean, you're stuck with me now. I'm friend, friend for life now. You're stuck with me. <laughs> what are you going to harass me on Instagram now, eh? <laughs> no, not harass. Just cancel. Just no, it's fine. <laughs> no, that's fine, mate. No problem at all. You are welcome back anytime on. No, more thank you. Outspoken views, shall we say, if you want. No problem at all. Anytime. Thank you. Appreciate it. And this has been the final whistle with David Campisi. We'll see you. Thank you. Time.